You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Bible says, and it's sometimes a little hard to digest, not only is death Adam's fault, death is our fault. I can't explain it, but I can tell you that the Bible declares it, that when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, we sinned in Adam. See, we like to think that if we were there, if it was me and not Adam, I'd have never done that. And that's what we want to believe. And that's just not true, not according to the Bible. It's just not true. It's no surprise to know that we live in a broken world, but how did God's perfect creation become such a mess? The answer lies in humankind. As Pastor Danny shares in today's study, it's easy to think you wouldn't have messed things up so much. Because of the gift of free will, you would have failed just the same. As soon as Adam and Eve decided to go against the Lord's wishes, the paradise they were living in was lost. You might not have been present for the first sin, but you have sinned just like Adam did. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 5, as he begins his message, The Two Most Significant Men in History. Chapter 5, last we dealt with three things from the text, reasons to rejoice. There were three reasons in the text. We rejoice because we'll never suffer the wrath of God because of our faith in Christ. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, a coming day when he's going to make everything new, including us. We're going to get new bodies, and boy, do we need them. We rejoice in sufferings because sufferings have a purpose, produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Then we looked at the other side of that coin, our present sufferings, Paul the Apostle would write in a few chapters in the book of Romans, our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now verse 12, therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, from the first man Until God gave the law through Moses, sin was still in the world, and the ultimate consequence of sin was death. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. An interesting pattern. Verse 15, but the gift 
is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the transgression of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I underlined as I went through every time it said one man, and it says it a lot. Verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the, here it is again, one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Then one last verse. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. Another way of saying that, God added the law to show how sinful man really was. He was sinful before the law, and the result ultimately was death. But in order to show how bad he really was, God added the law. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You got to love that. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I Googled and I asked the question, who are the most influential men? in all of history. There are several sites, but the one site that seemed to be the most predominant gave the 25 most influential men in all of history. And I'm not going to mention all of them. Uh, let me just give you within the top five. Number five, number five was Aristotle. Uh, number four was a guy named Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, number three, Isaac Newton. Uh, number two was a guy named Albert Einstein. And pretty much everybody, no matter where you look, said number one, number one. Guess who the number one most influential person in all of history is? Jesus Christ. One man. One man. Now, here's where I want to disagree and suggest that while they got it right that Jesus is number one on the list of the most influential men in all of history, I want to suggest to you, based on our text this morning, that number two, most influential man in all of history, number one is Jesus Christ, and number two is a man named Adam. That's the second one man in the text. One man, Jesus Christ, one man, Adam. And the title of the message was easy, really. It's the two most significant men in all of history. One is Jesus Christ. Number two 
Fizeram. Adam. <laughs> This guy. Here's what the text tells us. Sin entered the world through one man. Adam. And death through sin. More than a minute. God recorded it for us. Go back. First book, Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. Some of it I'm going to need to summarize, or we'll be here a lot longer than you want to be. Verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jump down, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Some people think work is the result of what's called the fall of man. But work was there before, but there was no sweat in the work. The work was a complete joy every day. Adam didn't mind going to work in the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. And that's a lot of trees. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One tree. Don't eat of that one. For when you eat of it, you'll surely die. And then the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, what's interesting about that statement is verses 19 and following. Notice, it says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. I don't know how long it took, but it took quite a long time for Adam to name all the animals. Elephant. Hippopotamus rhinoceros, monkey, rat. You know, he named all the animals. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. And this is the statement I really appreciate. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. In the context, what that's saying is, among the animal kingdom, as many animals as there were, dog, you're going to be my best friend. But none of them were suited as a wife. Amen. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. He closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Woman. I think he looked at her and he said, whoa, man. <laughs> and that's where she got her name. Whoa, man. <laughs> She's the most beautiful woman in all the world. And then verse 24, this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And from that, you know that God performed the first marriage and Adam and Eve become husband and wife. And they're in paradise. They're in paradise. He's married to the most beautiful woman in all the world. He's in paradise. He's got fellowship with God. He's got all kind of animals. He's got everything you could want in life. And so you have to wonder. <laughs> the record in chapter 3, after 
God gives man so much. Here the serpent comes along. And he asks the question. Verse 1, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. The serpent said, you will not surely die. I'm not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. In other words, the serpent planted a thought that God was not really all he was Perceived to being, you know. God's holding back on you. No, God, God don't want you to eat that tree because he knows you want to be really like him. That's the tree. Says the woman looked, saw that it was pleasing to the eye, good for food. And she took, she disobeyed. She disobeyed God, knowing she was disobeying God. Deceived, deceived, but knowing God had said don't do it, but the serpent convinced her. God was holding back. He got Eve to doubt God's character, his holiness, his goodness. And then she takes, and it says there in the record, she gives some to her husband who was with her, and Adam disobeys God. How many moms in the room? (laughs) Wasn't giving birth a joyous experience? If it weren't for sin? It would have been a joyous experience. It was joyous after the child was out. Then you forgot, you know, because you got a new life now. But, boy, you're in the process. Look at what happens here. Verse 16 to the woman, he said, I'll greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. You're going to act independently. And he'll rule over you. You're going to feel like a doormat. Verse 17 to Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles. Never had that before. Now there's thorns with the rose. You'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food. He never sweated before. Every day the work was a joy. Now it's a burden. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are and dust you'll return. God had come to Adam and Eve after they sinned, and it's a little bit humorous that when they do sin, they realize they were naked. They try to cover their nakedness. It doesn't work. They try to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. I always like to ask the question, anybody ever felt a fig leaf? I know what fig leaves feel like because we had a big fig tree when I was growing up. We had a lot of figs, and a fig leaf is not fruit of the loom. It's one of the coarsest leaves you can you can have and you imagine being trying to cover your nakedness with a fig leaf oh ouch they were in a hurry they tried to cover their nakedness they hide from God God comes walking in the cool of the day suggesting that was kind of a common thing walking and fellowshipping with man in the garden in paradise but now man is hiding and God asks where are you and Adam says well I'm hiding realize I'm naked Who told you you were naked? And then God asked a simple question. Uh, Easy answer. Easy. (laughs) Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? The woman you gave me. He tries to pass the buck. Eve, what's this you have done? The serpent. He deceived me. 
Everything we have to deal with that is wrong in this life, every single thing, it's Adam's fault. When you go to Genesis chapter 5, and I don't have time to read it, and, and for a lot of reasons, men lived longer in those days, but even though they lived longer, every one of them. One guy, Enoch, representing rapture, he gets raptured, and everybody liked to go that way, but if the rapture doesn't happen, guess what? You're going to die. Methuselah lived longer than anybody else we have recorded, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. And that's the way the chapter is. Chapter 5 is the death chapter. You're going to die. Now, let me pause a minute. Listen, don't you want to have like a Zoom meeting with Adam? Hey, can you get Adam on the line? And you want to look at him. I mean, we've all watched those movies where somebody is going down a path and you go, you know where they're going. It's stupid. Why are you going that direction? And they make decisions and you go, why are you going to do that? And you think, you're so stupid. And I want to look at Adam and go, what were you thinking? I put in my notes, he had daily fellowship with the God of creation. He'd never known what it was to sweat. His work was nothing but a joy. He was clearly told by God not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if he does, he's going to die. And he doesn't. We try desperately to prolong life, but within and every soul is the looming thought, I'm going to die. And here's what the Bible said. We have an appointment with death. It's appointed unto man once to die. If there was no sin, there'd be no death. I think I said it. Let me say it again. Death is Adam's fault. Come on, say it with me. Death is Adam's fault. <laughs> I want to just have a talk with you and say, what in the world are you thinking? Look at all the trouble you got us into. But here's what the Bible says, and it's sometimes a little hard to digest. Not only is death Adam's fault, death is our fault. I can't explain it, but I can tell you that the Bible declares it, that when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, we sinned in Adam. See, we like to think that if we were there, if it was me and not Adam, I'd have never done that. And that's what we want to believe. And that's just not true, not according to the Bible. It's just not true. As mysterious as it might be, uh, we sinned in Adam. It's just like we were there. And here's what the Bible declares. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And I'll tell you how, how, how real this is. Now God says, I'm going to give you, all right, everything that you lost. I'm going to give you paradise back. All you have to do is turn from your sin and receive my son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. So why is it, why is it most people won't do that? Because we're just like Adam. I don't know if you know what sin means. Do you know what sin, the word sin means? It's a word this culture doesn't like at all. I mean, you talk about sin. I've had people just sneer at me when I mentioned something in their life and called it sin. But that's man's problem. That's our problem, sin. And here's what sin means. It's not difficult to understand. It means missing the mark, missing the mark. You miss the mark. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, you miss the mark. Now, here's the good news. Jesus Christ is our hope, but Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's our only hope. Most influential man in all of history, Jesus Christ, and he's the answer. 
In Romans 6, we'll get to it soon, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pause here just a minute and, and try to encourage you. You say, wait a minute, if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, why am I still going to die? Good question. Ephesians 2 tells us when we put our faith in Christ, we were dead in transgressions and sins. Here's what we have to understand. The Bible declares that when Adam and Eve sinned, they died immediately, but they didn't die physically immediately. They died spiritually. Ephesians 2 verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. First Timothy talks about a widow in a context of widows and who the church should help and who the church shouldn't help financially. And it talks about widows who live for pleasure. And it says the widow who lives for pleasure, going away from their commitment to the Lord, is dead even while they live. Famous story in the Bible in the Gospel of Luke. We call it the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Uh, he gets the inheritance early. He goes away in rebellious, wild living, uh, squanders inheritance, ends up in a pig pen, uh, comes to his senses, and then basically repents. He turns, he goes back to his father, and he says to his father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And the father throws a party. If you know that story, the father throws a party, and he says, my son, he was lost, but he's found. He was dead but he's alive again. You see, they died spiritually, and because they died spiritually, they would one day die physically. One more text. Turn to the right from Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What a great, great text. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Go down to verse 21. Since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam, all die. By the way, if you haven't received Christ as Lord and Savior, you are spiritually in Adam. In Adam. As in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits. First fruits was... First fruits represented the coming crop afterwards, the harvest, the first fruits. Each in his own turn, Christ, the first fruits. He's risen from the dead, never to die again. He's the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Very important statement, verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hang with me. Jump down, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, referring to Christ, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so also are those of the earth. Is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from 
heaven. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.